Suarez. Walter makes a run ahead of it. Burkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Burkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello, and welcome to a Burkamp Wonderland. We are an Arsenal podcast, and we are the podcast that uh, fully condones grappling men in the box without any consequences. Allegedly. My name is Chris, I am your host, and this evening I'm joined by a fantastic guest and Danny. Danny, how are you doing? I am so good that I was invited on other podcasts for my football expertise. Was that the one that you host on your own with just yourself, or was this another one? Might be. No, I was asking on Aston Villa one. Oh. With, uh, with that lovely young man, uh, Seb, and only because none of you lot would have, would have done it. Uh, well, Femi would have done it, but he didn't read the WhatsApp group because he's he's uh, he's beyond that. So they uh, went on there last night, talked about Emery, and I think I might have made a smidgen of sense. Hmm. I think the gist of what I said was he'll save you from relegation, but bore the tits off you. How are you? Ah, uh, I'm all right, but just bear with me one second. Are you pressing buttons? Nope. I'm just that's the sound of them scraping the barrel for you to go on their <laughs> podcast. Uh but good stuff. Now I Thanks. shall I shall probably have a listen to that at some point. Um yeah. We also have another guest, as I said, one of the finest gentlemen uh in the ABW network. It is Mr. Carl. Carl, how are you doing, sir? Well, apart from being bullied by Danny um during my sacred month, uh I'm okay. I won't say what Danny bullied me. Um, with people because you probably would never listen to this podcast but let's just say that the FA are investigating and if they're anything like investigating the um, Jordan Henderson uh, allegations <laughs> it won't be done until 2026 it's funny how that's gone quiet isn't it English Very. football player Jordan Henderson funny funny how that's gone really quiet isn't it What's I, I can't I've think heard about him I don't like him so I find him guilty of all charges what's it has he been well, a bit of a months or something? Well, there, there was a, an alleged uh, use of language of potentially a racist nature towards Gabriel in the Liverpool game. And uh, it was reported, the referee actually reported it on the pitch, didn't he? And mysteriously, the investigation, in, in air quotes, has gone very quiet. I, I can't think Scouse why Mafia. that is. Mm. Anyway. Guilty. Hang him. Um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I was really tempted, but I'm, because it's in the news at the moment and people are disgusted at certain chants being levelled at Liverpool fans, I'm going to be the classier man and not say always the victims, never their fault. No. Let's move on really quickly before we get cancelled and talk about Arsenal, shall we? Because that's what we're here to do. Uh, so, Carl, um, I'm going to start with you because why the hell not? I, I kind of feel like we could take this podcast in one of two directions. Um, we are going to talk Southampton first because we'll come on to PSV because it was another one of the, It's quite nice of Arsenal actually to do those games in midweek when we're not doing a podcast like then to make it really boring and nothing happen because it's really easy to skip over. But we'll come back to PSV. But I feel like the here and now is the Southampton game. And I don't really feel like we can go into too much detail 
about individual performances and stuff before we address the shite elephant that ran around the room on Sunday, that being the referee. I'm Obviously just trying to look up his name. Oh, well, that Danny as well. He doesn't really run around. He just sort of loafs. Yeah, I think, is his name Jones? Is that his name? Is it Rob Jones? Is that his name? Yes. There we go. I've just looked up his address. Uh, name. Um, <laughs> he's 35, Carl. So for those who care, that's younger than me. I know it's hard to believe I'm a fine-looking gentleman. But he, he, is, he is of a, a young vintage. And I think I'm right in saying he's one of the newer referees this season. Um, we all make mistakes. Um, I'm sure you've made mistakes. I know I've made plenty. But I guess the question I'd put to you is, on an average day when you're at work, how many mistakes do you make in the space of 90 minutes of your job? And if, for argument's sake, you were to make three, four, five, maybe six mistakes, would you not be held accountable by your bosses for the level of performance that you've made in those 90 minutes? The, the, the thing is, <laughs> taking into context if it was my job and everyone kind of knows what I do um, if I made those mistakes people would either die uh, be stuck in tunnels for an extremely long time um, and trust me when I say to you you make one mistake and everyone knows about it anyway the thing is and I don't want to turn this into a referee battle, but actually I do want to turn this into a referee battle, and I know people say it's boring talking about referees and hard done by, because every club can say it, and they probably could, but fuck every other club, we're talking about Arsenal right now. He was terrible, not really, really bad, and refereeing on the whole is very, very bad in England. I think it's some of the worst in the world. Chris, you, you watch a lot of French war, so you can probably test to whether the refereeing is as bad in France as it is in England, but it's just terrible that you have all this technology, and we always say don't blame VAR. Um, you're right. The technology is not the problem because the technology actually works. It's the actual person using the technology that is a joke. And I take it into context. Even though we're taking away from Arsenal now, um, Douglas Louise got sent off for Aston Villa against... Um, who did they play? Um, I can't remember who they played. And they lost, Aston Villa lost the game, which subsequently made Stephen Gerrard lose his job. Oh, now, yeah. Villa, yeah, Fulham, Villa appealed and won that appeal. Now, remember that he, the red card got sent to VAR. So this person has been in Stockley, wherever they are, Stockley Park. They've reviewed it, gone back to referee and said, I think that is a red card. Now, that should be the end of it, right? But Aston Villa has obviously said, please take another look at this because this is bullshit. Then the FA have said, yeah, you know what? You're actually right. This is a sh this is bullshit. But it's too late now because Aston Villa lost the game. Stephen Gerrard lost his job. So that just shows that the referee made a wrong decision on the on the on the day. But what's going to happen to the referee? Absolutely nothing. Nothing will happen to the referee because that referee will go on to referee another game. No reprimand. No telling off. Nothing. So this, this is why I said they're not held accountable. Now, the referee for the Arsenal game was atrocious. Chris, Danny, we, we could sit here and go through every single mistake. And I'm sure everyone's probably seen um, on Twitter the videos of all the stuff that um, he got wrong on the day. But again, nothing will happen to this referee. I was half expecting, and I wish they did do this, like Arsenal would write a letter to the FA and be like, can we have a review 
of an explanation of why the referee made these decisions. Because we can all talk about the Gabriel Jesus penalty where the guy literally hugged him and dragged him to the floor. Nothing happened. Saka getting a yellow card for the apparently diving where you can blatantly see his left leg was taken out. The Ben White one where he was pushed in the back. Nothing that was the worst happened. Of the lot. Mm. Like nothing happened. The countless fouls on Gabriel Jesus, countless fouls, nothing happened. And you just like, at some point, what is going on? Like, is I said this when I was on the podcast with Josh. It's either incompetence or it's corruption. There's no, there's no in between. There cannot be an in between. There's incompetence or corruption. And for me, I know every team can say, you know, we've had it against us, but that refereeing performance on Sunday was shockingly bad, like really bad. I'm sure, Chris, we will go into most of the decisions, but, you know, those three that I just pointed out were some of the ones that just popped into my head, but they were really, really bad. But what can you do? Like, what happens? You know, like I said, Stephen Gerrard has now lost his job. I mean, fuck Stephen Gerrard, I don't care, but he's now lost his job because Aston Villa lost that game. But for some reason... um, Nothing's going to happen. Absolutely nothing's going to happen. I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to go because there's or go downstairs. There's someone at my door. It's a parcel. So, Danny, over to you and I will be back. <laughs> no worries. That's, um, you know, Rob it's Jones, something expensive just arrived from Amazon. At Carl's door. <laughs> it's that referees at Carl's door. It's going to be a hundred weight of expensive candles. Yeah. We can light them all and then we're all going to sing songs together. Go on. My, my, my question to you, Danny, is, uh, and I... Much like Carl just said there, the last thing I ever want to do on any podcast is come on and say, oh, it's the referee, it's the referee, that. Because I think it is fair to say that we have, we've got some fairly close decisions go our way in recent weeks. I don't really agree with the people that said the, the Gabrielle situation at Leeds went our way because it was just a foul by that Tory, Patrick Banford. Um But, and the Liverpool one, I don't think it was offside with Saka with a go. I thought he was onside. But within those two games, we did get a few decisions that probably could have gone against us in other games. My kind of issue with with these decisions in this particular game is is they weren't particular. I would say two of the three in particular, they weren't even like remotely questionable to me. You know, they were just they were just blatantly clear. And I thought the whole point of the VAR system was that you know if the referee, it's not even about a referee making a mistake. It's about a referee not necessarily seeing an incident clearly or misjudging an incident. It's not about saying you you've done wrong, even though he clearly did. It's about referring it and saying we want to take a look at that because we've seen something that you probably haven't seen and we think that this should be looked at again. And that's the bit I can't get my head around. And I think it was on another another podcast where they said some referees have this kind of thought process where they feel like because a club's getting battered in the game as Southampton were for like 20, 25 minutes, they sort of feel the the need to kind of balance it up a bit. And my argument to that is why? It's not, it's not their job. I know we're in the entertainment business, but it's not their job to make it a more watchable game or a more pl- level playing field game. It's their job to referee the decisions. So where do you stand on this in terms of how much of this is us just being a little bit sour? And just being a bit frustrated because let's face it, we're not used to not winning games at the moment, which is quite nice. And then how much of it is just pure incompetence and that our refereeing standards are just are just god awful. 
I think there's a, a little bit of, of everything. VAR isn't this bad in uh, no, the the interpretation of VAR isn't this bad in other countries. It is the the hierarchy in the UK. Referees see themselves at the top of the pyramid in football, and they won't be questioned. It's like it's like a policeman, or or it's like, or it's like um, your your boss at work. That's the way the British work. Whoever's at the top, the further you are up the food chain, the more you're right, no matter when you're wrong. And it just happens all the time. And that is never going to change. That's just that's just the British ethic of how things work. And it's been like that forever. And it will continue to be like that forever. You can't, they won't be questioned by their underlings. It doesn't matter if, if you're on half a million pound a week and these pricks are getting paid five grand a game or however much they get paid. That's not how they see it. They see it that they're the referee, they're the boss, they make the rules. And if you if you if you annoy them or piss them off, then they're gonna make life hard for you. And, and that's just the way it always has been, the way it always is going to be. And the only way to stop that is to have a, I mean, there is, a, like we keep saying, there is a reason why there's no English referees going to the World Cup because they are awful. And nothing's going to change until you have a, a pool of European referees that go around and do. In fact, I'd go as far as to say, your league, if you're an English league, you don't have British referees because most of them are from the Northwest and most of them are part of the Scouse or Mank Mafia. Hardly, I think there's one that is from London. We used to have the map up, but I think it's gone now. Uh, until you do something like that because you are not getting... I mean, if I was if I was a referee and I was refereeing um, Sevilla, uh, Real Sociedad, I wouldn't give a shit who wins. I'd want to make sure I had a good game as a referee. If I was imagining in, in Syria, Monza and Bari, I don't care. I would just make sure the game's done properly. Admittedly, if it was Barcelona for anybody, I'd make sure Barcelona lose. And that's just the way the society goes. I mean, you two have hierarchy at work. You know your bosses muck up. You know you can't say anything, and you know they'll get away with it. Mm. Just the the way thing it is, is you're, I think you're right, Danny, because when we played Manchester United, wasn't the referee that we had from Salford and mm. the VAR referee as well was also from Salford as well. So, and, you know, apparently all these referees, not one of them, not one of them support a Premier League team. Come on. It's that is bollocks, absolutely, of course it is, Christopher. Like, it really is just nonsense. So, like, it's obvious that he must have some sort of, like, affiliation to, um, and everyone has, like, there's no way they can be absolutely fair because look at Granit Xhaka, how he used to get abused. Um, not abused, but he used to... Referees didn't like him. Like anyone said, referees did not like Granit Xhaka. And all of a sudden, he had this reputation. And if in your head you have this reputation, you're going to you're gonna think that this person is like that. It's the same with... It's human nature. If I said to Chris right now, oh, Chris, this person is a flipping twat. He's an absolute idiot. as a twat. Chris now is going to think, oh, yeah, I know Carl and Carl's got good judgment, so I'm going to think this person's a twat. So, therefore, you're going to have some sort of hatred towards that person. It's human nature, no matter what. There's no way that all referees are totally partial and they all have memories. So, if I book you or and I call you a fucking idiot, you're going to remember that I called you a fucking idiot. So, the next time, you're going to be like, yeah, is it? Okay, I'm going to get you back for that. Like, it, mm. it's, it's human nature. So, yeah, it's it's just wrong, like, the way that referees, one, are chosen, two, had it all from, like, like Danny just showed the picture of the Northwest. Um, they're all white males, you know, mid-30s to late-30s to 
early 40s like it really it's just it's a, it's a mafia like it genuinely is a mafia because you can't say nothing bad against the referees either because as soon as you say something bad the FA are on you for bringing a game to disrepute and your like, card is nonsense. marked yeah this is, exactly there's just no accountability this, this is what bothers me um you know there's a <laughs> quite rightly Ben White is getting um quite a few sort of pats on the back for the way he conducts himself in interviews because he's very very deadpan, you know, he doesn't give the stereotypical, yeah, I thought we played well, lads, answers. He's very kind of, well, actually, I thought we were pretty good, so I think your question's bollocks type of type of guy, and I respect that. But that's clearly, as much as, obviously, his personality is the way it is, and that it, a lot's been made of the fact that he's not hugely into football or whatever it is, but I think it's, I think it runs deeper than that. I think what, what it bleeds into is that he, like many other modern-day intelligent young footballers, are actually seeing through the media bullshit and they're not actually willing to take this. I think we saw James Madison, didn't we, give a similar interview last year when he was talking about his form and how he needed to improve, etc. And it's, it was very candid. And I feel like, the, although these players are media trained, I feel like some of them actually, they just want to sort of stand up, don't they, and say, well, actually, no, I'm going to kind of call out the bollocks. But you can't you can't say anything about a referee. Do you, do you remember the Drogba one? Um, Stanford Bridge years ago is is a disgrace. It's a fucking mm. disgrace on camera, you know. And he got heavily fined for that. Now, you know, I'm no Chelsea fan, but he, you know, he was right in that game. You know, you look, you go back to the Champions League final with us. Some of the decisions we got in that game, you know, I, I just there the, the referees. I'm not saying they should be dragged out by their hair and and to, and forced to make a full confession, etc. <laughs> but I About just the think like witch trials. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there has to be some accountability, <clears throat> and I, I I genuinely I can't remember the last time they they used to do this demotion thing, which is also completely wrong. Because why the hell should the Championship or League One yeah. get a shit referee <laughs> from the Premier League? That's completely wrong. If anything, they should go and referee Sunday League or local league. Um, you know, or just be suspended. But but this is the other thing. And I think Clive Palmer made this point. If you, Bukayo Saka, we'll talk about some of the incidents, but Bukayo Saka's booked for, for simulation, right? Um, anyone who's played the game knows that when you move at that sort of speed, you are, you know, you're going to attract con uh, contact. And yeah, he got contact, sure. Um, and you know, I don't. I don't even think he exaggerated the contact. I just think he went down like it was. That's just the way it was. But that booking Is that might stalker cost us. messaging you. No, I think it's it's my work phone email. Sorry about that. It's, they're all coming through at once. As long as um, it's not a stalker. Carry on. No, but it's if you if that yellow card comes back to cost us, you can't appeal a yellow card, right? So that decision that's been made, if he now misses a key game because of a fifth yellow card. We have no grounds to to appeal that. Yet these referees, there's there's no like you said, Carl. It's a, it's a bit of a mafia situation. There is no accountability, and we're not. And I have to make this really clear. I personally, and I'm sure all of us on here, will come on to the game in a minute. We're not coming on here saying, "Wow, we lost a game, therefore everything's shit," you know, and, it, and it's all down to the referee. We had plenty of chances. We should have, should have put that game away, which we'll come on to. But you do want a level playing field and you do want some accountability and you want to know that when referees make mistakes, they are rightly trained, you know, like and, you and, and I would be if we made a mistake at work. Go on, Danny. And that we can look at it objectively as a team that has lost one game all season, top mm. of the league and playing the best football 
of the last decade. And we are really one of the best teams in the Premier League. So we're looking at it and going, Aston Villa, you were done wrong. Chelsea, previously, you were done wrong. We're not saying just Arsenal were done wrong. But, Carl, I, I said on the on the, the live show, the post-game show that I did with Deke, I said, if you went and did all the highlights of all the tackles and all the number of times that Arsenal players were then left on the floor and said to the person, there was three bookings in this game, two of them were for diving, and one of them was for one of their blokes tried to headbutt us, you'd go, hold on, that, those fouls and those players laying on the floor... And the most, but the two of the booking, two out of three bookings were for diving. You, you think it was the wrong video, wouldn't you? Yeah, and that's the problem. So we know that there's a directive that's come down from the FA to let certain challenges go. Now, you know, you know, it's a man's game. Rough them up, blah 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 blah. But the problem is, they've taken it too far. They've taken it way too far. I mean, listen, I understand that sometimes not every foul is a foul, but. Again, you know, it sounds like we're being bitter and it's not. You look at, in the same weekend, you had, um, when we played Manchester United, you had a disallowed goal for Martinelli because apparently Odegaard fouled um, Ericsson. But then do you remember the earlier game that day, Brighton had a goal allowed for exactly the same challenge and that one was even worse. So it's not even like there's no consistency. This is the issue. So I know, you know, at the beginning of the season, I'm sure that referees go to every single ground and sit down with the person and say, look, this is what's going to happen. These are the new rules, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, where is his accountability? Like, I know there's a new person, um, not Graham Paul, what's his name? Um, why did Graham Paul pop into my head? Oh, the new um, head of the PMOL. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he starts, he starts in January, right? And he's, you know, everyone, everyone who starts a new job like comes in, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, what what accountability do referees have? They don't. And like you said, this is not just an Arsenal thing because, like you said, Aston Villa got done. Um, Liverpool have had decisions go against them. The one last night, I don't know if anyone saw um, mm. West Ham versus yeah. Bournemouth. That was a blatant handball. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. they said, but then they said because it wasn't in the phase of play where the goal scored. What are yeah. you talking about? Well, that's all right. It then. Was, it's in the box. Like, so if you, handball, if you murder somebody because, in the first yeah. first instance, but it leads to a goal, that's fine because it's second phase of play. Yeah. It, it makes no sense. So, like I said, every, it's not just the Arsenal thing. Every single team can have uh, a complaint against referees. So I, I don't know, like I don't know what needs to be done. Maybe Danny's right. Maybe there just needs to there should be a pool of referees from Europe. But obviously that's gonna be horrendous to try and organise and travelling and all sorts. And so that can't never happen. But I just think they need to rip up the whole ethos of the PGMOL and mm. just start again. Because like you said, how can all the referees come from up north? No non-white referees, like it's just a bit of a joke. But you know the what? women. How long has Sean Massey yeah. been a lines person for, mm. and never been allowed to manage um, referee a game? But not Why? not only not only the diversity side of things as well, but I, I think like the media side has to be worked on because I sat and watched the Sky Sports presentation. What is it? Ask the ref or fondle the ref or whatever the hell that segment's called. Um, and, you know, and is it is it? I think it's is it Dermot Gallagher. I think it is. Yeah, it's sitting there going. Oh well, no, it's just a tangle of legs for the for the Gabriel Jesus penalty incident. It's like we're not looking at his fucking legs. It's the fact that he's basically arms. inside his soul. 
you know, and and by the way, Duvan Chaletasar uh, played in France. He played, thank you, played for Marseille. I can tell you from experience of watching him week in, week out for two years that he was at Marseille, I think it's three years in the end, he is a very handsy centre-back. He is your classic archetypal, archetypal handsy centre-back. He's like he's like the Croatian Tyrone Mings. He <laughs> loves a bit of the old this shit, you know, and he's a very physical, he's very elbowy, he's very handsy, you know. he he is He's a very clumsy, although somewhat talented centre-back. So he's got previous and even referees having knowledge of players having played in other leagues, I think would do them the world of good. You know what? I, I would be amazed if they have any sort of training because I, I do genuinely think any player that you're refereeing, if you go into a game tomorrow, just like Mikel Arteta will be looking at the PSV team ahead of Thursday, his job is to scout the opposition and work out their strengths and weaknesses. Why are referees not scouting players as well. Why are they not looking at players and going, right, he's just signed for Man City, for Arsenal, for West Ham. He's got a bit of a history of this. This guy does a bit of that. That guy's got a bit of a... You know, imagine if Sergio Ramos played in England. Like, everyone would know because he's a Champions League defender for Real Madrid. And they all know he's, you know, he's he's got a history of red cards. But why are these referees not doing their due diligence on how pl- how players play? We keep hearing about this, oh, he's not that type of player. Theo Walcott was booked, wasn't he, for diving as well at the end? Was it I mean, his he's, not that, he's not that type of player either. That's another thing that he's not that sort of player. Like, And no one can tell you who is that sort of player. So all mm. the people that say, you know, Harry Kane, I remember, I vividly remember last season, Harry Kane, um, two-footed, well, literally almost two-footed, um, a Liverpool player. Mm. Um, I think it was Robinson. Uh, yeah. Robertson, sorry, and nothing, nothing at all. Any other player, any other player who does that sort of challenge gets a red mm. card. And he was okay. went to VAR, nothing, not nothing at all. Are you thinking to yourself, there's no way you don't people don't referee by reputation? Mm. Like you said, you know, it's the old joke of if that was Granite Xhaka, you know, yeah. like, and, and sadly, the joke has become true. Yeah, and because now Granite Xhaka's kind of changing his game. Um, this season and he's not putting in those sort of challenges because he's not playing deep enough to sort of to affect the play back there. Mm. I still feel that referees kind of like there was a challenge on um, on the weekend and they called it for a foul and you're like that's not a foul like if mm. you can let all the other challenges go about you then pull that back like that is refereeing by reputation you know or watch Granite you know you know what he's like yeah. like what? Shut up. But, and yeah. Anyway. Scott McTominay is is penalised for a penalty for doing the exact same thing, and that's this is where it comes back to the word consistency, isn't it? You know, you yeah. just want consistency, and let's let's not forget as well, Harold Knighthood Kane, the same Harold Knighthood Kane who consistently puts professional footballers um, of his like you know similar age and and you know of all shapes and sizes to him under medical threat or or risk of injury by consistently getting under them at headers and and backing into them so that they fall you know uncontrolled yeah. which is more dangerous than they a land on their back two- or their neck or their head yeah so you know he's a squeaky light um, we can't be too far away chris from hmm. somebody with with artificial intelligence could 
do this and then run all the games through it, a program, and, and then it could black and white. 100% nail it, whether things are offside, whether they are fouls. It can't, we can't be that far away from mm. that being done. And then but I'd you... like to do that, then go back and look at previous games. Harry Kane would miss half the season with, with mm. being sent off and, and the amount of um, penalties that he gets and things like that. Because we all know we have the Scouse Mafia and we have the Spurs Mafia and the Mank Mafia. And all that. that's why you've got all these ex-Spurs players uh, and all these shitty like Carragher, Owen, and these people should never know McManaman should not be anywhere near commentary. They are that yeah, look, bad. Look at look at some of the stuff that I mean. I'm, I'm, I don't dislike the guy. I don't like the guy. I know he divides opinion. Robbie Savage is is, is one of those big oh, personalities on BT. Moron. But he's come out with some stuff that is literally not in the rules on BT and said, "Oh, that's not this because that's the handball role." Handball role, and you're thinking like, "That's your job, mate." Like he does it on six oh six as well. Listeners exactly. will come, ring up and go, "Well, no, that's that's not it," and then they all laugh it off because yeah, him and Sutton are a gets... pair of morons who have no idea about what they're talking about, and they ruin an hour and a half of listening to yeah. dipshits who've got no idea about football. <laughs> I, I, as I say, I mean, I, I do want to, I do want to talk about the game because we could talk about referees all day. Um, but just before we sort of go into a little bit more about the game, just just the major incidents. Um, Carl, I mean, for you, Gabriel Jesus is, is the one that everyone's talking about. For me, the Ben White one is, if not worse, definitely equal because that's not even on the ball. Like, and, and they are just two of the incidents. But penalty, both. I mean, is, is there is there any doubt in your mind? Is there any element of of red tinted glasses from us? Because for me, they are both pens. Jesus, yes, he probably goes down a bit easily, but. Did you did you hear? Apparently, somebody said like the referee come out and said afterwards that his justification was if he went down earlier he would have given it, but he carried on so he didn't give it. So Gary Jesus yeah. staying on his feet has penalised himself. The Ben White one I can't get my head around because he just shoves him over. It's just not even questionable for me. The get a replay. If that's true, then that's a shocking like the ref- that admission from the referee. Um, mm. I'll be honest with you, I don't know if that's true. I don't think a referee would ever admit that, but. Um, the Ben White one is so obviously blatant and I feel like because it happened and the ball got booted down the other end of the pitch he couldn't pull it back like he was almost in two minds but it's just half time as well wasn't it right yeah the the Ben White one was just absolutely shocking how it didn't go to VAR which again is the VAR is not the issue it is the use the people using VAR but mm. I don't know both of those were definitely penalties but it, it like I said it's frustrating and we could sit here and we're half an hour in so we really talk about the game but no um <laughs> yeah it, it really is frustrating and the thing is this is not going to be the last time that we're going to be sitting here talking about refereeing decisions this season very very mm. sadly which is going to happen again. It's 100% going to happen again. So what can you do? Like you literally, there's, until the PGMOL gets torn up and rebranded or, you know, they're under a new organisation now. And I hope, thank you for everyone that said Howard Webb, he's the one that's taken over. You know, I really do hope that Howard Webb comes in and literally changes everything because he has to, because the way refereeing in England is at the moment it can't be sustained because it's just it's losing people their jobs it's you know to potentially you know if we end up losing the title I mean you know 
if we end up losing the title by one point, which I'd be happy if we did, like, it's only by one point, <laughs> you know, we would look back at this game and think that referee fucked us over. I mean, you're right. I'm, so, Chris, let's go into talk about the game now. Um, you're right. Yeah. We had plenty of chances to put that game away. So this is why we are not blaming the referee because we really should have put that game to bed. We had so many chances, especially in the first half, where... You know, it was chance after chance, and we the ref as normal. Any time a goalkeeper plays against us, he plays as prime Manuel Neuer. Um, but you know, sometimes you have to put your hands up and blame yourself. And I think the players got a little bit tired. And about what you think, Chris? Like you could tell that we had a midweek game, um, and they just looked a little bit tired. Like Ben White as well. He's been taken off, I think, twice now in the last two games because. One of the things is probably used to playing right back, get up and down that um, wing. It's hard work. It really, really is. And, you know, you can see that the team was a little bit leggy and we didn't take our chances, which is our fault. We, you know, we really should have played better. Um, the team, I feel like we're getting to the business end of the season now where I think in October, I'll be playing, correct me if I'm wrong, Danny, is it eight or nine games? Nine. In October? Nine games in mm. October, which... Is no easy feat. That's hard. That's really hard work. Um, and I think also, um, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, this is probably you'll probably see this in France as well. I feel like a lot of people are trying to protect themselves for the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Challenges that they would normally go into, they're kind of thinking, maybe I won't challenge or maybe I won't exert myself. And I feel like a lot of players now thinking, I've seen a lot of players around getting injured before the World Cup. I really have got a chance of making this World Cup squad, so I'm not going to do stuff to injure myself Mm. element of doubt fraction of a second before yeah 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 i I do agree danny in terms of the terms of the sort of the setup and what we went with i i felt like this was you know and we've we've praised many times on this podcast and we will continue to praise the job michael tetra has done i felt like he got one thing maybe two things but certainly one thing wrong in this game and that for me was the selection of Takahiro Tomiyasu left back over Kieran Tierney in this particular game. Uh, I know he's not a big fan of having two fullbacks raiding forwards, but you know, bombing on. But for me, when you've got Ben White at right back, you can easily say to Ben, Look, today I'd rather you curb the attacking threat because we're going to use Kieran to, to go down the left. Now, obviously, in hindsight, that means that uh, Ben White's brilliant cross isn't isn't into the path of Granite Xhaka, which was was brilliantly finished. But I just felt that Tomiyasu, the, the job against Liverpool, brilliant. You know, re- managerial masterstroke. I thought he was fantastic. Didn't really feel like we needed him at Leeds, but I guess you could argue that maybe we did because of the the way Leeds play, their sort of physical side. It's away from home. It's a tough game. For Southampton, though, I, I just, without being disrespectful, I just felt like we should have played Tierney and, and gone for the throat rather than been a bit cautious. Would that be fair? Southampton are not really a side, but they've got they've got Andy Carroll up front, have they? I just I just thought that was maybe an error in hindsight. Well, we were talking about this on on some of the preview shows and the post game shows, saying the whole point of playing four centre backs is for defensive um, marking. So if you've got someone like um, Salah playing there and then you then it's good playing Tommy there because Salah is going to struggle to get past him Tommy's got pace he can tackle he's good in the air is is an all-round brilliant defender but when you're playing against a bloke called uh, Mohamed uh, Elonusi who was so bad for Southampton last season and the season before last that they let him go on loan to Celtic 
I mean, he scored 17 goals that season for Celtic. But this season, it's no goals in 11 games for Southampton. In his Southampton career, four goals in 57 Premier League games. Now, that is not someone you need to worry about. Now, although he did get the assist for, for their goal, which was a bit of a calamity, but you don't need to worry about that. And so when you play Ben White at right back and Tommy at left back, you've got, uh, again, a contradictory. You've got very little creativity, although Ben White did set up the goal and Ben White has done that a few times and Tommy Asher has done that at right back a few times. But you don't need to play either of those two as out-and-out defensive players to do the marking of someone important because they haven't got anybody important. And so if we'd have had tyranny, he'd have been up and down that wing like like John's knickers on a, a dirty weekend in Skegness. It would have been endless, up and down, up and down, up and down, it causing them havoc. But they didn't. And and so there's no there's not enough threat from us down the wings. And we and we see how often does Martinelli struggle in a game? And he struggled partly because he had a psychopath um, marking him. Uh, and getting away with absolutely everything, thinking it was like a Royal Rumble or something. And and and, and Saka was a little bit quiet down the right-hand side as well because they're having to do all, all the, the creativity on the right and the left, and they have to make all the runs themselves. And if you've had tyranny there, it, tyranny, Martinelli combination down the left-hand side, but the fear of God into any Premier League side. And, mm. and they, they did make a few runs. Like, like I said, with Ben White, got the assist for it. But there are far and few between, and you don't need to do that. So I, I, it was a, reminded me a little bit of uh, um, of Emery when he was Arsenal manager. Sometimes you're a little bit too overcautious, and I think I that's thought, what the situation was. I thought it almost reminded me of, of George, to be honest. Um, you know, oh, yeah, the one nil. That have been, the, yeah, yeah. We've never won exactly. four games one nil in a row ever, and that would have been no. the weekend when we were one nil up because it was uh, headed that way. Mm. Yeah, it's fine margins. I, I, for the record, I thought the other slight sort of fault that that Mikel made at the weekend was taking Martinelli off. I thought was a was a bad decision as well, or a poor decision. I thought he was the one that that actually looked like he he was a threat all day all day long, and they were scared crap, you know, crapless of him. I, I don't know whether you could have brought off another player, but and I just feel that this 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 sort of idea of bringing on. Juventus are losing again. This idea of bringing on Enketia um, for twenty minutes and playing him left is is I I don't understand that at all. Um, uh, let me ask you about that, Carl, because I'll bring I'll bring you in on Gabby Jesus at the same time. It it is a, for me it is like a case of you play Enketia and Jesus as a two or one or the other or worst case scenario you're chasing a game. I think it's Gabby that you move wide because he gives you more. And Ketia is literally a finisher, isn't he? That that that's what he is. That's what he does. Um, whether you think he's good enough at our level or not is irrelevant. He he is there to do that job. Do you have any concerns about that relationship going forward, especially with? And I personally don't have any concerns about Gabriel Jesus's form. Personally, I just don't. I think you know. Oh, well, I might touch on what I think in a minute. But what do you feel about that situation? Because his his conversion record is down at the moment. He did miss a couple of good chances on the weekend, and that decision to play in Ketia wide, it didn't really help, did it, in the last 20 minutes? You're on mute, by the way. That's one. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, I have no concerns about Gabriel Jesus. Uh, he will become good. 
Um, but I'll let you talk about that later, Chris. Um, I think that playing in Ketia wide, you know, when Arteta does good things, like playing Tommy Yasu against um, Liverpool, we were praising brilliant masterstroke. When he does stuff wrong, like playing in Ketia on the left, is wrong. You know, he and Ketia is not a left winger. Not a child. He's not sure what he's trying to do with him. Um, like you said, he is a finisher. He is a archetypal fox in the box. Um, get the ball, um, score. I don't get that. But the problem is. If you don't trust Marquinhos, then we have no one else to play on the wing. And this is what comes into the... Yeah, but he obviously doesn't trust him. Mm. He obviously, there's a reason why he doesn't trust him. And he should have gone with two up front. You know, I still think... I, in that game, I think you... And I don't know, obviously, he got the assist, but I wouldn't have played Odegaard. I would have played Vieira. I then brought Odegaard on. Um, I know Vieira played in midweek, but I still wouldn't have... Um, I would have played Vieira definitely, um, and I thought I would, you should have brought Vieira on a lot earlier as well. Um, His cameo was a bit off, though, wasn't it, Vieira? As well, I felt like he. Well, when you only come on with game, like ten minutes, I think did he come on like like mm. ten minutes to go? What yeah. can you actually do? Like, I feel like you should have brought him on much earlier. Um, Thomas Party was having a little bit of a mare. Um, yeah. And I understand the reason why he didn't take Thomas Partey off was obviously because, you know, Southampton were growing into the game and they were coming a little bit dangerous. So it's a point of, I kind of wanted to, I think he either wanted to settle for the point or he wanted to just have a little bit of stability at the back. And um, we can talk about Sambi later. I'm, I'm not, I'm a bit worried about Sambi, but it's mm, another uh, conversation. But um, I, I'm not, I felt like he should have changed it earlier. And if he wanted to play Jesus for the whole game, then if you're going to go for broke, um, when you bring on um, Enketia, you are going for it. I felt like he should have pushed him up front. And even if he wanted to nurse Martinelli back into the game because he'd been out injured um, and he probably needs a little bit of rest, just like Saka, um, mm. I felt like, yeah, you should have brought on Nelson or Marquinhos. Because yeah. the quality of the, the quality of the unknown is really good. So yeah, these Southampton players would have been like, who's this Marquinhos guy? And you just told Marquinhos, do what you do. Run at mm. players. When you get like... the ball, just just run at them. Just run at them. Push them back. Because why don't you go past someone once? Um, you know, like when we used to play Phil Walcott, you just tell Phil Walcott, just run. Mm. And he used to they used to scare defenders. Nothing scares defenders more than pace. And once you get past them, once that's it. And I feel like that's what he should have done. Um, but he didn't. And, you know, subsequently we end up drawing the game. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I don't think, I don't know what he's trying to turn um, Nketiah into. He's not a winger. He never will be a winger. Um, yeah. So, you know, when we get stuff wrong, he, he kind of did get that wrong. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully, you know, he'll learn by this mistake. And um, when we play... Uh, PSV on Thursday and Nottingham Forest on Sunday, he'll correct them and make it get them right. Yeah, a lot of things to unpack there. And, and uh, you know, first thing to say is we've drawn a game. You know, it, it the fact that we're the fact that we're sort of disappointed, I think, speaks volumes of how far we've come in literally 12 months. You know, a few years well, a year ago, we took quite happily taking a draw at Southampton after losing that game. So, you know, it speaks volumes of where we come couple of things you mentioned there though and i think sky sprays made the point here on in the chat actually um said about party having a bit of a howler uh and i i do agree with him there and i think this sort of opens up that squad question again of it's not always about 
oh god what do you do when thomas party's injured i.e who do you put in it's also about well what do you do when thomas party's not on form or is not having a good game you need to know that you've got the change available and uh, like you i think Vieira. i still think he's got a lot to go i think he's a naturally brilliantly gifted young player but he he openly admitted himself he's still bulking up for the physicality of the game Southampton away, like Leeds away, is probably not really the games for him. Man United away, ironically, more because he's going to be given the space because United you know, would expect to be on the front foot, so he's going to open up more space. So I think that's maybe something we've got to look at. Um, and ironically, your Douglas Luiz type of transfer probably would have been the player you'd have brought in for a game like this if you wanted to rest both Partey and Xhaka, but we're in a position now where we can't do that because of the Europa League, which we'll come on to. And the other thing I was going to mention as well was the, the the Gabriel Jesus thing. I think rather than making a big deal out of it, because I think a lot of people have, have talked about this in the last few days, for me, um, this might hurt Arsenal fans. So, sorry. There's a reason Manchester City let us have Gabriel Jesus. And that reason is they bought Erling Haaland. <laughs> there are levels. And Gabriel Jesus has been brilliant for us. He's a brilliant personality. He's a winner. Uh, he will get goals for us. I've got absolutely no doubt about it. He's already proven that. He leads the line well. He works hard. He gives us a threat. There's no concern here. You just have to look at his career and understand that he, you know, he does miss chances. His conversion rate is not up there with the very best. And if it had been, there is no way on this world we would have been get we would have bought him for 44 and a half million quid for Manchester City. We just wouldn't have. He'd be in their team tonight in Dortmund. So, you know, sometimes you have to kind of look around you a little bit and just be a bit more self-aware and and just sort of think about it a bit and go, yeah, actually, you know, on another day, he probably has two goals at Southampton. On this day, he doesn't, you know. Strikers go through those periods of time. Nobody's talking about how how, how Harry Kane is not free scoring other than penalties or three-yard tap-ins, are they? So, you know, that's just where I would draw a line under that. Danny, in terms of the sort of impact this has on the PSV game as we head into this. I think we had a question. I'll bring it in. I'm going to bring it in now because it's relevant now. Um, Sam Roos question, which was, do you think Arteta taking him off um, with signs of him starting on Thursday? I don't actually know which player he means there. So apologies. But anyway, um, what would you do with PSV? Martinelli was, okay, yeah, so that makes sense. Arteta has made a, a point of, of playing, I would say on average, five, maybe six, what you call your Premier League first team in the Europa League. Would you like to see us rotate slightly on Thursday? I.e., would you like to see Nketiah come in and play up front instead of Jesus? Would you would you like to see a convenient little niggle for Odegaard or Ben White or Gabriel, who, by the way, is playing every game brilliantly at the moment, Gabriel? Would you like to see a few of those rested or do you want to see us go and win in Holland and secure qualification, secure winning the group and deal with the rest later? Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, <clears throat> all we need is one point from this game and then we have won the group. We've already qualified for the next round. Zurich have lost four out of four and are horrendous in this group. Do we throw this game or risk throwing this game by playing, resting all of our players for the to make sure that they are all fresh for the uh, the Forest game, 
I'm not sure we need to do that. If it's an important Premier League game coming up, I know Forest have just beaten Liverpool, but if it is an important away Premier League game coming up, then I'd be more worried about the PSV game of, of who to rest. But I'm fine going to PSV, and, and if we lose, we lose. It really doesn't matter because we're not going to lose against FC Zurich. That's not going to happen, not in a month of Sundays. So I would play a, uh, a complete backup squad against PSV. Say, go on then, it's your chance. Go out there, show us what you can do. Make your Try and make your name for the, for the first team and see what you're going to do. Uh, it'd be Eddie. Oh, pardon me. It'd be Eddie playing up front. Uh, I'm a bit concerned about Eddie this season. 11 Premier League games he's played in and zero goals, zero assists. Only had a couple of hundred minutes, but still... Um, been a little bit unlucky at times and then uh, I'd even rest players against Forest at home and then we then we can make a decision for the Zurich game do we need to go out there and smash them to win it or can we just afford to go out there and send up the B squad for them as well so we could theoretically have three games in a row where we can have a B squad or a semi B squad and then for the Chelsea game, which is an important one, which I think we, it goes um, PSV, Forest, and then is it Chelsea, Zurich, or Zurich, Chelsea? I should, no, I've got all the fixtures up here. It's um, PSV away, Forest at home, Zurich at home, Chelsea away. So mm. we can rest the, for those three games because Forest are not going to come to Arsenal and beat us. They are a shambles of a side. How I mean, Van Dijk should have scored a hat trick for Liverpool against them. That's how bad they are. They they went mental. Sean said it was amazing up there. All the all the Forest fans in Nottingham are, are just over the moon. But then that's three games we can rest because that Chelsea game is going to be just looking at that probably our hardest game of the season so far. Uh, the Man United we made it hard. It wasn't a hard game. The home game against Spurs that was easy because they're shit. But that Chelsea game. That is the, oh, you haven't played anyone big this season away at Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea, under Harry Potter, are keeping clean sheets. They're winning games. They're doing well. We've got them. We've got that twat Obama young there who needs to be silenced. So, yeah, three games in a row for me of a mixture of B and reserve team players because, uh, yeah, that Chelsea game is, could make or break our first half of the season. Hmm. Interesting. I, I, do you do you agree, Carl? I I sort of feel like it's got to be a mixture because I kind of want to get the job done with PSV. Do you know what I mean? Because I feel like we've got, as Danny said, Zurich where we could rest players then if we're through. And then am I right in saying we've got Brighton the following week in the EFL Cup? I think that's the following yes, week. On, um, yeah. on Monday, I think. So we've Monday got opportunities mind. to rest players. I don't necessarily agree where we, I don't really agree that we could rest players against Forest because I think the Premier League is your bread and butter. You've got to play your strongest eleven. Yeah. What would you do there, Carl? Would you, um, like um, uh, Tuberful in the or Tulbifal in the uh, in the um chat has just said about rescuing Martinelli. I think is one that absolutely has to get a rest. He's been brilliant, um, but he won't want to. But <laughs> you know, he's only got so much in the tank, surely. If it was me, I would have Martinelli and Saka nowhere near the PSV game. Wouldn't start them. I would genuinely start um, on the wings. I would start Nelson and Marquinhos. Um, mm. Give them a chance and then see what happens after that. Like you said, we have ample opportunities that if we do lose this game, and I know Arteta will say he wants momentum and things like that, but for me, 
I, I, I mean, he's. I feel like when Arteta gets an idea in his head, he can't go against it. Now, I know he mm. said that the players at the top play 70 games a season and blah, blah, blah. I, um, I don't know if that's something he was just saying, but Saka cannot play that sort of games because no. he gets kicked all over the place. And I'm really hoping that, I think it's now a needs must. You know, remember in the summer, we went hard for a winger. We went really, mm. really hard for a winger. You know, we was... We wanted Rafinha, we wanted him badly, and we didn't get him. There's a reason why we wanted the winger, because I think even he knows that Saka can't play every single game. Now, you know, the the injury to Emil Smith-Rowe probably thrown a little bit of spanner in the works, because I'm sure Emil Smith-Rowe would have been sort of in and around the squad. He definitely would have been in the Europa League squad, that's 100% certain, so... He'd have played um, on Sunday, wouldn't he? He'd have been in that side to freshen up that team. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, he he wasn't. Um, I would, like Danny, I would have a very, very mixed team against um, PSV. I wouldn't have, like I said, I wouldn't have Saka anywhere near the squad. Bring him on last 20 minutes if we're losing and we need some sort of injection. Um, Forrest, I'd play the strongest team because... Forest now have the belief that they can win games and that's belief is a big thing. So, you know, just mm-hmm. be Liverpool, they're gonna be on a bounce as well. They're gonna be there. And unfortunately, what you've got to remember is we've lost to Forest like, the last couple of times we played them. Um, <laughs> yeah, the last two times they yeah, that, yeah, so like, you know, yeah, yeah. This whole, you know, they're they're gonna be thinking, you know, we can do Arsenal here, we can beat Arsenal here. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna play I'm gonna play the the strongest I mean, you know, they've got Serge Aurier in their squad. Fucking hell. How, how is that Serge um, I, I, you know. I got a horrible, not a horrible feeling, but I, I think that that game is actually going to be a lot tighter than people think. I, I If somebody offered me 1-0 now, I'd quite happily take it. I don't think we're going to go out there on Sunday and roll them over 4-0. I really don't. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, before that, I'm just going to stop. Um, Sam Roof has just given us 10 US dollars and... Considering that's how much the dollar is to the pounds now, fucking no, Danny, you're we're rich. Millionaires. I know. We're gonna um, we're gonna buy we're gonna buy our block. We're gonna have hostile takeover <laughs> now. Thank you, Sam. Um, that's very kind. Thank of you, Sam. Yes, Sam very kind of you. Um, but yeah, I like you, Chris. I think that the first game is gonna be harder than people think. I think just because at the bottom of the table, people think it's gonna be a cakewalk. Well, just ask Liverpool what they thought of Forest, and I know they were at home, and I get that. I totally understand, but. Um, like you said, Chris, the Premier League is our bread and butter, and that's out of everything out of Europe, you um, out of FA Cup, out of League Cup. That's the one that we want the most. I'm not saying we're going to win the Premier League. I mean that's the one that we need to take the most points from. And mm. as Danny alluded to, we've got three opportunities to get one point. Not even <laughs> he says this. I don't think even Arsenal could mess this up from there. Um, <laughs> shades of last year, I know, I know. Um, Famous last but- word. Yeah, but I, I'm sure we're going to get one point from at least uh, one of those three games to top the group because we want to top the group because we don't want to go into that stupid playoff where you have to play extra two games. No one wants that. Um, yeah. But yeah, we need a mixture of a squad. We got to, we've got to start rotating and I think that's what Arteta doesn't do very much and I wish that he would. Um, and maybe there's a trust issue and I think now is probably the best time as ever to talk about Sambi, Chris, because... Um, Sambi worries me. I don't know mm. if, if it's just me or anyone else, but he worries me that he... I feel like he gets opportunities to play and then when he doesn't play, he's miserable and then he goes on various podcasts and starts moaning about 
not playing, which kind of annoys me. Like, yes, you can be frustrated about not playing, but think about why you're not playing. Are you better than the person who plays in your position, Thomas Partey? No, you're not. Are you better than Granit Xhaka at the moment? No, you're not. Are you better than Martin Odegaard? No, you're not. So the players that you play in the field, the three players in front of you, you are not better than. So the, how you get better than them is to play. It's not like you're not getting any opportunities because you're getting games. You played every Europa League game and there is no Europa League game that he's impressed at. Even the games when Thomas Partey was out in the Premier League, he didn't... I'm not saying he didn't impress, but he was really average and I feel like he moans more. I mean, he's sure that in the documentary, do you remember when him and Ketia were sitting at the table and they were like, mm. why are you not, and Ketia was like, why are you not smiling? What's wrong? He's like, you're not playing. And Ketia was like, shut up. Like, do you think you're the only person not mm. playing? Like, I want to play as well. You just got to get on with it. And I mm. feel like he can't get, I feel like he can't get out of his head now that he should be playing. And I feel like, I feel very soon that you're going to see in the press that he wants to leave. And mm. if that conversation hasn't happened behind closed doors already, I think it will happen soon. He, stri- he strikes me a little bit of a player that, that Arteta will get quite tired of quite quickly if if the current trend continues. Um, and like he was you... So and quiet in the in the all or nothing. He was very strange, wasn't he? Very quiet and reserved and but I, distant but I think, from all the players. I think I think a lot of that depends on the circumstances though, because Nuno Tavares was very he was very quiet and withdrawn in that as well. And since he's been at Marseille, he's like really come out of himself and, and okay, it's a different culture, different city, etc. But he's really like he's his game's really gone on. He still can't defend for Toffee, by the way, in case you're wondering. But he's <laughs> he's really come on in terms of his offensive output and in terms of his playing time and his personality. So I do think that sometimes, and let's not forget, you know, as I've said a hundred times and I'll continue to say it, I was wrong about a lot of things I thought about about Mikel Arteta. One thing I am still stand by my guns is he is a micromanaging fuckwit. <laughs> the guy is obsessed with small details. And personally, I imagine he'd be an absolute fucking nightmare to work for. But that's what mm. makes him, you know, Guardiola light, isn't it? That's what makes him potentially that next, cab off the off the rank of Guardiola style managers you know he is he's always going to love a Venn diagram over a McDonald's and a, and a you know in a film but he there's a quote for you but I do think that he demands a lot of players and I like you Carl and I'm glad I'm not in this boat alone he he never really impresses me and I don't know why that is because if you look at him and his build and his style you know, he's got everything that you'd want of a player that age. He's, he's physical, he's lengthy, you know, he gets about the pitch. His passing statistics are pretty good, albeit safe passes. Um, you know, he doesn't shy out of a tackle, but I just don't really get... I don't feel like he has progressed. I don't feel like he's come on since he's been at the club, whereas you can look at other players like Martinelli, Saka even, who've just come on so fast. And have upped their game so much. Gabrielle, even, you know, they've come on leaps and bounds. Look at the development Saliba's had in just six months at the club, albeit having been out on loan. And I just feel that personally, if we could have got that other, you know, quote unquote midfielder in the summer, I think Sambi probably would have got on loan. And I wonder if that maybe you know, the race Nelson situation, very good interview actually with Reese on the Arsenal website. If you haven't read it, it's worth worth a read. 
where a player just misses his opportunity to go out on loan. Um, I think Reese probably went on loan too many times. But you know what I mean? Ships in the night with certain things. And you just think, actually, is it is it going to be for him? So, I don't know. It needs a bit of a confidence boost. You remember who his manager was uh, um, at Anderlecht? Prince and Company, wasn't it? And you know where, where he's manager now? Burnley. You know where Burnley are in the championship. <laughs> yeah. Top on yeah. Top, maybe top he does the maybe he does need a loan to go there. Like mm. I would if we if we could get a, another centre midfielder in in the general because I'd be honest with you, I don't know how much we're really gonna see of El Nene this season. No, I, I think agree. His injury is quiet, worse than we we're being mm. told. Um yeah, and we obviously are hundred percent going to need another centre midfielder in the sum so in January. Mm. Um, and if we do, then I would genuinely say to the company, "Do you want Sambi for six months on loan? Because mm. gonna, he's gonna he's gonna toughen the fuck up in the championship. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, um, that's a hundred percent. He's gonna get tough down there. He's gonna realize, you know, um, the time on the ball. You know, um, he's not gonna be. He's gonna get kicked. He's gonna, you know, and that's gonna. He's gonna play every week. Of course, he is." And if that can happen, that's fine. But it can mm. only go if we bring someone else in. Um, I, but, think, I think sorry, Zero's hit the nail. No, I was just going to say, I think Zero's hit the nail on the head with that comment. Sambi looks like he's the wrong player for us. I don't think it's a question of his talent. I don't think it's a question of whether he's got the ability. I just don't know whether he fits us, if you know what I mean. Like, I feel, I feel yeah. like if he was doing what Iwobi's doing at Everton, you'd be like, oh, he's, you know, he's doing really well because it's How Everton. Do you I'd know what I mean? Back. Like, Old ABWs when a few of us suggested that Iwobi's best position <laughs> be was in, in central midfield. I know, yeah, yeah. Who thought we, we said that? that? I mean, this is our tenth season, people. Mm. Uh, Sometimes we get a, like one thing out of four hundred right. Is what we're saying. <laughs> uh, I found an and Malcolm scored last night in Russia for Zenit. Oh, big Malk. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I found another Arsenal podcast. Uh, Arsenal above all that is one hundred and eighty. Arsenal Boy. podcasts, I found. But if you want that list, uh, message me at the underscore GFP. And I've got a Google spreadsheet that I've made public. If you want to see the list of every single podcast. And uh, we've got Gary on. Gary's double dipping. Look at that. Gary's on Twitch. And then really? Gary's on there. Gary's got his very own podcast. The um, I'm, I've forgotten the name of it. So many. Uh, yeah, and so uh, I will send you it, and it's got the name of the podcast, their very first show, their last show, if they're dead, how many shows they've done, who owns it, like Gary's one will say Gary, and then it will say um, his, his Twitter at, and then it say the guests that they've had on there, and have links to their Twitter, um, Facebook, Spotify, iTunes. I bet, stuff. Yeah, I bet you both you both are in the same boat as me. I, I can still remember like lying in bed at night covered in cream no sorry that was something else um <laughs> lying, lying in bed at night um years and years ago thinking oh do you know i i'd really love to listen to like a radio show about arsenal and scanning yeah. through this new thing called podcasting and going never heard it won't catch on there was literally like two and it was this and ask blog and that was it um and then i think i found james and daniel's um gunosphere at the time and I, I think that was it. Oh, oh and there was, uh, there was, I think footballistically has been going a while, to be fair to them. I think they've been around for, for quite a while. But yeah, it was literally like three or four of us and that was it. And now there's, well, 180. Um, Most of quick... which... Say again? Most of those podcasts don't exist anymore. But they're currently, since lockdown, I think there's been about 80 or 90 new ones. Mm. 
Do you know? Do you know what I? Slight tangent. I'm going to ask Carla a question in a second, but slight tangent. Do you know what I always think? There's a a gap in the market for um, away day podcasts that are recorded on the trip. I'm sure it's probably been done, but I I, I imagine it'd be quite an interesting podcast to listen to if you like. For example, I'm in Plymouth in the UK. For anyone who doesn't know where that is, it's on the leg right at the bottom of the country so when i go to london as carl will know it takes me many many hours by public transport um so i've often thought it's almost like a vlog oh avon's just said it there it's almost like a like a vlog i think it'd be really interesting to hear like um say if you had like two arsenal fans traveling from plymouth or the isle of Wight or whatever and then you know they recorded their whole journey and then they interviewed other fans and you know a little bit like AFTV without all of that do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah i just I, I just think those sort of podcasts would be quite interesting but um anyway that's maybe for well next time i go to a game i've got my little 4k video recorder thing it's tiny and when i went out last monday i videoed all the way from my house all the way into town and into the yeah, shops i don't want to i don't want to see no you. but then i'll do that at a um i'm gonna do that a video next time i go to a game i'm gonna video my day and then put it on our youtube and then watch no yeah. watch it it's almost like an audio vlog, which is essentially a podcast. But I know yeah, what you mean. Oh, I'm getting on yeah. the train here at Plymouth, and then uh, yeah, talk yeah, about the yeah. Journey I'm, I'm here with Mick. Who's I'm locked in the, the toilet, and I can't and... get out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the train's That's... gone. It's left London. It's coming back to Plymouth. I'm still locked in the toilet. Yeah, yeah. Carl's closed the tube station. I can't get from <laughs> Finsbury to. Yeah, Carl's yeah. blocked you on Twitter and on WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah, or as the, or as the or as the last the last trip up will be. Uh, Jace has got off at the bloody angel in Islington. That was so funny. I messaged you, and then when I went, when I walked down from Finsbury Park, I'd met Jason. And then, as he said, that he was like, I don't know where he is. <laughs> so I was like, I saw Simon, and Simon was like, I knew I've got to go in the press box. I was like, You posh twat, fuck off. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, Jason, he's up there. He was like, "Well, I'm not going up there." And I was like, "Right." Like, I was, and I was going to meet Chris. That was day was just, oh, Danny, funny oh. you was there. It was oh, the one day yeah. I will be. I, I I spoke to the I spoke to the Welsh legend himself today actually, and he's he's plotting another trip. Pro, uh, he's plotting my murder. Well, that he always plots that on a daily basis, but no, he's <laughs> he's he's keeping well. So uh, I shall probably uh, be popping up before the for the um the well actually I don't know. Because we've got the World Cup in the middle of that, haven't we? But yeah, we're, we're plotting a game anyway, so we'll be up again soon. Anyway, um, back on track. Before we go to the questions, um, I've got a question of my own that I'm going to put to Carl. Um, you mentioned the, the dreaded transfer window there, and I don't want to go sort of balls deep too far into this because we are, you know, what, two and a half, three months away from it. Yeah, a lot can change. But did the Southampton game, um, and I would actually extend this to maybe the PSV game, maybe the Leeds game, um, you know, all games that we won. But did those games sort of shout to you maybe the need for a different type of centre-forward still that we're missing? Because I, I feel like I'm a little bit alone on an island here because I know everyone is talking about oh, we need another wide player, we need another central midfield player. And and this will make you, this probably will <laughs> make you turn your turn your eyebrows upwards a little here. But I felt like we needed a bit of a sort of a, a Bentner-esque striker on Sunday. So not just a big bloke who just stands up front and does nothing, but somebody who is a physical tall presence, but is technically good enough and offers you a little bit of unpredictability and can mix it 
Um, because everyone always says Giroud, um, but I feel like Giroud is actually probably a striker that would want to be starting games. But I feel like if we had somebody who was of the Bentner ilk, maybe without the baggage, bless him, Nicholas, he that would be ideal. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like we should be, I just feel like we should be scouting for that type of thing. Um, and I feel like the... Yeah, he's placed for Roma. What, Tammy Abraham? Yeah, but mm. again, he's a striker who needs to be starting. Ivan Tony. He's a striker that would demand starting. I'm talking well, about nearly 70 so, games a season. I'm talking about going down the leagues or, or going and finding something raw. I'd love Jonathan David at Lille, but he, he want he would want to start. I'm talking about plucking somebody who is who, you know, he signs for Arsenal, and goes, fucking hell, I've signed for Arsenal. I'll, you know, I'll work my way up. A Matt Turner, if you will, but as so a centre forward who's when... a bit different. At the beginning of the season, Danny and I had done various podcasts and we were talking about the players that we would like to sign. And I said, and Danny, you probably find it somewhere in the ether of the podcast. I said that we need a, a tall striker that we need that we need to change up games because Eddie and Gabriel are very similar. They're tall, pacey strikers, and that sometimes we need to change it up and go long and to a big striker who could hold it up. And that is probably word for word what I said in the podcast. Mm. And my my uh, I haven't changed. We that's what we need because I said that we they're too similar and we need to change up something where they know it's very easy to defend against Arsenal. If you isolate the striker and it showed on Saturday Sunday, sorry. Um, we kind of play one dimensional, play into feet. Sometimes we need to change it up, play long. We do need to do that long ball, and we don't have the tall strike we don't have the tall players i don't think i think tommy assi is probably the tallest player in our squad um everyone else is kind of short aren't they like mm. well, five, I've, had a, I've had a look yeah jay Seuss is five nine saka martinelli five ten eddie five eleven and balogun is similar build as well to those two he's you know people saying he could come back he's again a similar type of striker isn't he build five ten style there you go. Yeah, so I feel like we do need that six foot three striker um, that, like you said, who's not who can come on and just change a game, like throw it in. There's um, there's a few around Europe, even the Championship, even um, that we could definitely go for. And uh, you say to them, "Look, I'm not going to lie to you. You're not going to play every game, um, but we've got Europa League games, and if we need um, to throw it up." Like big man, little man, we can do. And I feel like we definitely missed an opportunity because even when we was after um, Blaovic, Blaovic, well, you tonight. He was that sort of. He was that sort of player. Fucking like he was that sort of player. Um, even the one that played for who's the one? Did he play for Burnley? And oh, I forgot his name. The tall striker. Oh, Veghorst. Yeah, even him. Yeah. He would have been. He would have been a shout. I think. And there's. He would have gone come to us about fifteen million, maybe like, and I feel like we definitely would have got him. But I don't know. You're right what you say, Chris. We do need to change up a little bit, but I still think in January the priority has got to be a centre midfielder and a winger. Um, mm. I think those two positions are definitely, definitely have to be uh, the priority for us. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I so say I I don't know names. Um, you know, I mean, I could pull yes, you do. You know all the names. No, I, I genuinely don't. But I mean, is, there no, know, is there no one in France who's a big, tall striker who, you know, 
plays for one of the lower league, lower ta- table clubs who you just think to yourself, do you know what? You're not going to play every game, but you could do a job for Arsenal. Yeah. Well, the, the problem, I think the problem you have with that is if you, I think you have to go for a younger player because if you go for what? an experienced player, he's again, he's going to want to play. So you have to kind of go down the levels to the lower the lower end. I mean, someone like Gaetan Laborde probably would. You know, he's he's a sort of a strong, powerful, tall centre forward, but he's playing at, at Ren and playing very well. Um, Ludovic Ajork is out of form at Strasbourg. He is your quintessential Andy Carroll without hair. He, you know, he's a big lump. He's he's technically quite good, but you know, he is a big lump. Someone like Kevin Volland at Monaco. You know, he's a bit more of a physical, uh, strong centre forward. He hasn't, I mean, I, I don't know what, how high, how tall he is. I think he's about 6'2". But, I mean, you, you, every every answer you have, it always comes back to Giroud, doesn't it? Because that's like, you know, it, it's Giroud and, and Bust. That's the only player you think of, isn't it? And that's why I kind of fingered Bentner. Christ, there's an image. Um, but that's why I kind of came up with the name of Bentner, because it's like, Nicholas got a bit of a. I I felt like he got a bit of a raw deal for his actual football ability. Don't get me wrong, um, read his book. That's all I'm going to say. I've got the audio book if anyone wants it. it, It's very good. Um, But yeah, he 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 kind of sabotaged his own career with his off the pitch situations. How he lasted as long as he did at Arsenal is a minor miracle. But his actual ability on the pitch, his technical quality was was very good. He had a good touch. He was good in the air. You know, everyone remembers that goal against Spurs. I do. That was such a good day. Um, but he, he offered a lot more, you know, and, and he, he, as you said, Carl, he could hold it up as well as be on the end of a, a deep cross, as well as being able to run in behind a little bit, as well as being able to technically receive a pass and give it to somebody else and then go again. And you just Arsenal, don't really get those type of strikers anymore, really. I, I Arsenal don't always think. had sort of a, one of those players, you know, like an Adebayor. Uh, like yeah, Adebayor's a good show, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we do, we kind of need someone who kind of knows they're not going to play for their country. Because, I mean, after the World Cup, uh, I guess everyone's kind of going to kind of be on the downs because they're going to mm. be so pumped up for the World Cup. You're going to get some players who didn't make the World Cup um, probably thinking, right, I need to play out my skin now. I've got four years, what, well, three and a half years, four years to the next World Cup. The, mm. Whether you get a European player, you're thinking two years to the next European Championship, African Cup of Nations, you're thinking it's another... T- yeah, yeah, next yeah. year, yeah, yeah, next one year to the African Cup of Nations, uh, South America, you, you know, the um, South American Championships are the same year in it next year as well because mm. Argentina yeah, won yeah, in yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Copa America is going to be coming soon. So, you know, all the players that didn't make it are going to be playing out their skin, and I feel like this World Cup is going to be so weird. I feel like there's going to be more movement than people think. Uh, after this, because as always, as you know, you know, people can play out their skin at the World Cup, and then that's the new, you know, that's the in thing. Um, you know what they say: never buy a player who's had a good tournament because it never works <laughs> yeah, out well. Goes. But because, yeah, but uh, I feel Alex like Rodriguez. yeah, but I feel like this one, I think there's going to be a lot of angry players who didn't make the World Cup squad, and then they're going to end up moving uh, to squads because they want the exposure. Um, mm. So, I mean, watch this space, but. I think Arsenal, like you said, back to your original question, Chris, we do need some way of changing up games. And if that is a 
big striker, then yeah, so be it. But as you said, everyone's going to be looking. I mean, you look at um, Samaka for West Ham. Yeah, that's, you know, in that's Italy, exactly in the... Italy. He was flipping banging goals, and mm-hmm. you know he's not. I mean, he's not doing very well. I would say against in England. I think he scored what maybe two or three goals. But maybe that's the sort of player be. that we're. Yeah, and that's the sort of player that we're looking for, aren't we? A sort of and we had a look at him, didn't we? We were, we were looking yeah, at him. He said that there's well. no way he's coming to... It's, not, it's the, um, the conference league he scored for, for West Ham. They said there's no way he's yeah. coming. He's leaving Italy. But, he, but, he's, dis, but he's, he's displaced Mikel Antonio, hasn't he? So, I mean, he's clearly doing something to impress at, <laughs> uh, you know, at that club. I mean, maybe Calvert-Lewin is, is the one that other people look at and say he's a mid-tier striker who's been off form, you know, who could resurrect his career with I personally I'm not sold I, I don't I just don't think his injury record is terrible and I don't I've never really been sold on him as as that, that type of player but yeah I, I say I don't know who the name is um but I just feel even if you went down to the championship or something I or, or South America look what Man City did with Julian Alvarez you know he's unproven in Europe but he's come in and he's in he's in the side tonight so you know I I just think sometimes you have to take a bit of a Bit of a gamble. Um, I don't. I don't see one in the youth ranks that's ready to come through yet. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think, think championship is a shout. I think mm. there are so many players in the championship that go underrated and people take a punt on. I mean, mm. it doesn't. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't work out. I mean, you look at Armstrong, who plays for Southampton um, mm. in the championship uh, for Blackburn. He was scoring goals upon goals. Um, mm. and Diaz and Blackburn as well. Yeah, he's come up to the champion, um, the Premier League, and he hasn't, unfortunately, made it. So, you know, it's just one of those things. Um, Bamford was good against us, but he's like DCL. Um, Bamford is a prick. Can't fucking oh, he's stand good. him. Definitely a Tory boy. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, I, I, I say it's just, just an interesting topic. I like to throw him out every once in a while, and uh, I was going to talk about Arteta's comments about. Um, how players should be ready to play three, four times a week and just get mm-hmm. on with it. But I feel like I could go quite deep on that. This is where I think his um, inexperience comes into yeah, I, I don't agree. know if it's just something he says or not, but no, I, I think he forgets what he was like as a football player and he can't, yeah. he couldn't do that. Um, yeah. You know, players need rest. And I feel like, like I said, we touched on it, Chris, that before the World Cup, I think players now, you see it, they're protecting themselves. If you've got a chance yeah. of making the World Cup, they're not really going in. And I think even after the World Cup, the January, February, those games mm. are going to be, I think even the Boxing Day game, because we play... There's seven uh, on Boxing Day, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Play West, when they all come back. I want to say, I want to say West Ham, we play Boxing Day? Or is it, it is not West Ham? Um, Danny will know. Uh, it is, uh, yep, yeah, 26th at uh, home to Boxing Day, at home to West Ham. New Year's like... Eve, we're away to Brighton. And then the 2nd of January, we're at home to Newcastle. I yeah. feel like those three games are going to be horrible. Yeah. Mm. Like, oh, and I apparently someone in the chat tired. said they've rearranged the Man City game. They're going to rearrange the Man City game for the beginning of January as well. If I yeah. see it, I'll yeah, bring it up. Sense. So that, that'll be so an inevitable good. 4-0 pounding. So. <laughs> yeah, I feel like those games are going to be really horrible because players are going to be tired, like just mm. especially over Christmas as well. Um, yeah. yeah, I feel, yeah, it's just, I feel all those set of games, not just our games, I feel like across mm. the board, Premier League games are going to be really shockingly bad. But 
you know what? As if we're still in the position that we are at that time, I'll be very happy. I'm sure as everyone oh, else gotcha. would. If we're, if we're, uh, if we're, if we're in if it comes to be in the top still, four, I'd be yeah, I'm, I'm with you, hundred percent. Yeah, 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 yeah I'll, be, I'll be very happy. And you know, long may it continue. And like you said, Chris, and I think you made a really good point, Chris, that the fact that we're unhappy that we had a draw against Southampton, you know, is a lot because last season we lost that game. Um, mm. I think the season before we might have lost the game as well. Um, so regularly to lose four yeah. nil to them, and you put that in yeah, context so, of Spurs losing at home and Liverpool losing away to Forest, and go, mm. well, we went to Southampton, a bogey team, and got a draw with a team that you could see they were tired. I, I, I'm happy with that. And, and a game that, as you both said, we, you know, we should have been out of sight. And I think, I think that's where a lot of this referee. Um, you know, we're, we're looking for reasons as fans to sort of justify why our team kind of... It sounds awful to say let us down because that, that isn't fair. But because we're now kind of used to winning games, you know, every drop point because of what we're looking at in terms of our season as a whole it is seen as a bit of a failure, isn't it? And I, and I just feel like we're looking at that game and thinking, you know, we should have been out of the blocks th- two or three nil up inside 20 minutes. Um, and now we're not. And as a few people have rightly said, the um, the position we were in on Sunday, I think if we had if we got a second goal when we were pushing, it doesn't make it right. It doesn't justify those poor refereeing decisions. But we we wouldn't have been talking about them now, would we? We'd have been like, oh yeah, the referee was shy, but we won two 0 three 0 Like we wouldn't really have gone into it as we have. So I guess it's kind of our way of um, just keeping ourselves, you know grounded i suppose and finding something to 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 wrestle with rather rather than sort of being critical of i guess and and as for those yeah the the arteta interview i just i just felt like some of the things he said he probably didn't need to say about running players into the ground and i i just kind of feel like if i was a player you know it's not going to affect bakaya saka because that kid a run for for brick walls for you which is incredible but if he you know if he does break down and suddenly get injuries look at what's you know could there be an argument to say, well, have we pushed Emil Smith Rowe to the point where his body is breaking all the time? That would that's the flip side of the Saka's played fifty three games, but Smith Rowe can barely string two two weeks together. So you know, I just I just felt like they were comments he probably didn't need to make. But we have to remember he is a young and experienced manager, and like we said, for all the really amazing things he's doing, there will be areas where he might look at and go, "Ooh, probably should have taken that one back, bruv." Anyway. Um, let's take some questions just before we take those. Actually, I should just say hi. We've got like Demsek in the chat there. Um, Mufasa. I hope that's not Simba's dad. Um, DWTT. I saw Kate, who I speak to regularly, Kate Johnson. She's in the chat today. Hi, Kate. Um, uh, mentioned Zira, mentioned Sam and his kind donation. Thank you again, Sam. Avon, um, Mr. Bob Lex, who sent me a fantastic article on Lorient, which I did read. Thank you very much for that, Bob Lex. Appreciate that, Mr. Bobby. Um, um, Central Goat, which always makes me chuckle, chuckle every time I see that name. And Sky, I think I mentioned as well. So I think I've got most of you there. But if you are watching live, um, thank you. First of all, Brady's Banana, there's another one. Um, yeah, if you are watching live, thank you very much. We do appreciate you. Without you, we are just three blokes talking into a screen to no one. So thank you. Um, but if you are here, do hit the old like on the YouTube video. I see YouTube have had a bit of a makeover. It looks very, uh, very funky, very, very new age, their new graphics. But yeah, give us a, a thumbs up and a like and a subscribe and hit the bell for all the notifications of when we go live. And if you are listening in delay, 
that's no excuse go on and do that as well thank you very much kindly right questions then uh we've got around about 10 minutes or so left so uh who's doing the questions carl is just ask the question stop being a mob <laughs> what have we got Oh, of that game, there was one thing about the Southampton game that did annoy me, that Xhaka cut big holes in the back of his socks They're all doing white it. undersocks. They're all, they're all black... doing it. Jude yeah, but they should have doing had... it tonight. Yeah, but they should have black undersocks. They it, will, it eventually. Flow. They will. Do you remember when players used to wear white tape and then the guidelines got changed because linesmen couldn't tell the difference in socks? Nope. So now, now they all just cut the foot out of the sock and, yeah, it'll all change. They'll change the rules. It's too tight, isn't it? They're too tight around calves. Yeah, so that's which is a little holes in them. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a, such a, a fashion thing. It's, it's a fashion thing now. Like one, yeah. one player does it, then everyone starts to do it. It's, um, it's marginal gains at best, but uh, yeah. yeah, sports sports uh, psycho, psych, psychotherapists or whatever that they will have you believe it gives you that in extra. Do you know what? If Bukayo Saka thinks it gives him an extra ten percent. Cut, cut them to bits. But I don't and care. Martinelli with a little bandage on his hand all the time. What's that about? He's not Michael Jackson. I don't he know. I, be, don't, um, I don't know what that is. I know Benzema does. does Benzema, dislocated finger, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but I don't know what Martinelli's is. But then players are quite superstitious, aren't they? So they often just keep wearing these things. Don't know. Don't know. Gabby, no, if you're not. listening, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Start of a question from Sam for Carl. Already covered it a little bit, but you think? Do you think we will have a weaker lineup on Thursday than usual? I.e., less starting eleven players. Uh, what was your gist of what we said about? I, that? I would like. To, if I'm talking with my heart, then yes, I think that we should. So with my head, I don't think Arteta's going to rotate much. I really don't because uh, he wants to wrap up this group and. Like you said, um, he wants to play the strongest team all the time because we would have seen much more rotation in the Europa League than we have done. Um, so I feel like he, I feel like he's not going to rotate as much as we really hope he will. Um, but I just hope he doesn't come back to hurt him because I have a feeling that if we lose like a sucker, we are we are really fucked because we genuinely don't have... Who else? If we lose Saka, who plays on the right? Normally Smith-Rowe right. would do, but he's... Yeah, but right now, no, right now, we lost Saka right this moment. Nelson. Who right? Mm. Nelson. But the problem is, is, that's what happened last season, or two seasons ago, where players were cold and then he just wanted them to come straight in. The likes of Sambi and the likes of um, other players, he wouldn't have played them for weeks and then he would just bring them in and then expect them to be brilliant and you can't do that. You know, players need to be match fit. And I hope he has learned from his mistakes where he has to play players, you know. Um, the likes of bringing on Sambi. I'd like to bring Sambi on the last 20 minutes, bring on Nelson last 20 minutes. Last 10 minutes, I can do anything for anyone. So, yeah, let's see what happens. Quick update on scores. Juventus are losing 3-1 at Maccabee. That means <clears> after five games, <throat> Juventus are bottom of the group with three points. Maccabee <laughs> now have six points if, if it stays like this. So Juventus won't be going into the um, Europa League because their next game is um, at home to PSG. <laughs> so, yeah. So get, get your bags packed, uh, Antonio. You're, you're wanted back in Italy. His con- I didn't realise his contract runs out at the end of the season, doesn't it? He hasn't yeah, signed he signed an 18-month contract. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's such a fucking bunch of... 
Honestly, that club is what, 20 million a year, isn't it, or something like that? Yeah, that's just for his uh, oh, Genius, dear. Gary. Right, right, question for you, Chris, from Avon, not Teddington. Um, not sure how big the coverage of the women's game is in France, but has there been any reaction to Arsenal's smashing Leon 5-1? Because Leon, women's team Leon, mm-hmm. are the, probably the best in the world by quite yeah. some distance. There was a there were actually there was a huge reaction to it in France because women's football is, is is a really big deal, particularly in Lyon um, and Paris, uh, particularly amongst teammates beating each other up allegedly. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, I say Paris Saint Germain and Lyon are, are two of the what I would call uh, powerhouses of, of the Women's Champions League and, and Women's European football. Um, and yeah, Leon, without Ada Hegerberg, I suppose you you would say it's probably not their strongest or it wasn't their strongest side. But that yeah, they got battered. And, and the Arsenal women, uh, I will completely hold my hands up. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I don't watch um, the Arsenal women's team. I don't watch women's football full stop. Just personal preference. It doesn't make me a bigot or a sexist or whatever. It's just Cancel, personal. Chris! Cancel, get rid of me, <laughs> sack me. But yeah, it's just not my cup of tea. But no, you you cannot you cannot underestimate how big a result that is um, on the sort of the global scale of, of things in in the women's game. And yeah, to answer everyone's question, in France it was a big deal, a really big deal. They took that as a um, a bit of a wake up call. And I think from what I can gather, um, Phil on our podcast talked about it a bit today. I think Leon are in that sort of dangerous t-word transition phase where mm. they're starting to look at their squad and rebuilding again but yeah i mean it's fair play to the girls they went over there they smashed them like it's got the coverage it deserved which was the most yes it's an amazing result question for you and carl from benfica are 4-1 up now sorry <laughs> good luck no you <laughs> feel free to pop in with those we all have a good laugh one, yeah and psg are also smashing it 4-1 <laughs> Uh, Kate asks you, Carl, not sure if you've discussed this already, but are you concerned about Jesus's goals slowing down, not scored in five Premier League games in a row now? Uh, we said we're not really that concerned. Um, <coughs> sorry. Um, he's going he's gonna to carry on and get goals. Sorry, he's getting a drink. Sorry. <coughs> oh. oh, dear. Um, while, oh, Chris is dying. while he's dying, Chris. Um, can, can I mention are, it? Can I mention a quick comment in the chat just while just just to buy Carl some time? Go on. Um, Zero said off topic, but Carl's living room is fire. I agree. It's <laughs> I a fabulous backdrop there, isn't it? I I do dig the wallpaper. This must be a bedroom. <laughs> oh, there you go. I'm in, How the I'm other in half lives? Yeah, this Carl lives in a mansion. But... It's that London Underground money again. I'm sorry, back now. Um, yeah, um, I don't think it's a problem. I think if he doesn't score, you know, after the World Cup, then, you know, we, we may start having that conversation. But do you know what it is? If we win games and he doesn't score, no one really matters. No one really talks about it because we're still winning games. If we start drawing and losing games and then Gabriel um, Jesus doesn't score, then people start talking and thinking, mm. okay, now we've got this strike, he's not scoring. Do you know what I mean? If we win 3-0 against Nottingham Forest and he doesn't score... No one talks no, about yeah. it no. because we've won the game. Um, no one cares at all. So, and his yeah, contribution as well. as well. Yeah, because he's, he's, he's an exciting player. And you're right, Chris. So, yeah, as long as we're winning games, 
Uh, I mean, yeah, of course, he's our star striker. You want him to score goals. Of course he does. Um, but, you know, if we won every game between now and the end of this season and Jesus didn't score another goal, I'm sure no one's going to mind. I'm sure no one's going to care at all. So, you know, we just need to start bearing our chances and putting teams to bed very, very early because, like you said, against Southampton, it was our undoing that we didn't uh, put the game out of sight. Southampton, we let them get back into the game, sadly, and, you know, we end up getting the draw. Mm. Okie dokie. Question for you, Chris, from Mr Thunder Road, our resident troll killer. Um, are you still <laughs> affiliated with the Barbican Pirates? Affiliated? Mm. I was going to say, by affiliated, you mean own them. Um, I mean, technically, yes, I do still own the, the branding and the rights to the club. Uh, no, we're, we're, we're not a club um, as it stands. I uh, COVID, unfortunately. Um, and the local FA. Being, and, well, yeah, and, and rising costs, etc. as is everything the case. Yeah, um, no, I just, a new chapter in my life, Mr. Mr. Thunder Road. Um, yeah, I, I just kind of haven't really got the oh commitment's the wrong word because I enjoyed my time but it's it's a lot of it's a lot of stress it's a lot of you you do a lot for very little reward let's put it that way um and I know this will shock a lot of people in the chat but um managing a group of 20 something year old Drunks. adults on a weekly basis can be a tiring process uh tell me about <laughs> it yeah, so, that's the um, story of my yeah. life with you lot. Exactly. Shut, so um, I, enjoy, I enjoyed, I enjoyed my five years. To London, and I'm going to become Chris's number two. Uh, <laughs> well, we're going to, I mean, you know, like American, you know, like American franchises, they uh, just up and leave like yeah, yeah. certain areas. We're going to yeah. start a, a South London <laughs> version of uh, the Barbican Pirates. Relocate and go again. Yeah, uh, you ne never say never. You know, I might have a midlife. I'm 40 next year, so I might have a midlife crisis and like you know start all over again. But now I um I can, I've I've still I still own the rights to everything. It's still all in my name and obviously the logo and everything. So uh, yeah. We're, We'll keep the good ship flying high, but I think the days of um, running a sports team are probably done now. I do, I do, I do. I have actually, no word of a lie, and this won't interest many people, but I don't care. I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> the um, boss. <laughs> exactly. I am, I am actually in the process of marketing my own running gear. So, um, good. Yeah. Yes. Stay, stay tuned. I, I'm having a logo commissioned for myself. So, um, yeah, a slightly new project that I'm getting into there. So, is it some hairy pirate with a badly bruised hip and a walking stick? No, but it, it actually <laughs> does have an Arsenal theme, or I'm having an Arsenal theme worked into it. You know the little, um, you might see on the back of my jacket there, like the little, what are they called on the old crest? Is that what they're called? The little yeah. bell type shape yeah. things? Yeah. I've got one of those worked into the logo just as a little gentle nod that only, it's one of those you don't, if you know, you know kind of things. But um well, Thunder yeah. emailed us many, many times. From, I, know we, I don't know where he is. I even know his real name. It's our secret Thunder. And he wanted a top from you. And he kept asking me, and I kept asking you, and did you ever get it sorted out to make a few quid? But do, do, you, know, do you know where this probably went wrong? It's That's probably no because... Um, no, it is probably no. I think I think what happened was... I was thinking. <laughs> I, th I think what happened, what happened there was, for memory, I think Thunder was DMing me in, in Twitter... 
Um, and I miss those messages all the time because I very rarely check it because it's usually for the crap or spam or whatever. Oh, girls, so, like just in Chris's oh, DMs, just, like, yeah, I really of, want you, Chris. Are you that Chris from the girls, podcast? Like, yeah, 14. <laughs> be my baby daddy. You know, <laughs> and like people offering me to murder them for money and that, drug cartels, that kind of thing. Just a day in the life of, of an average pirate. So that's probably what happened. So what I would <laughs> what I would say thunder is if you are still listening god help you um if you still want our logo on something or if you still want a top i can still get access to garments and personalized business just uh (laughs) drop me a uh, a tweet and then i will get your number and we'll talk No, we'll, we'll I can, talk. I can just forward you the email that he, he sent. Bless him. It's just easy. Basically, what I'm saying is, it's easy to do it on WhatsApp. So as long as you're not like some kind of serial killer, or you're not. Oh, he is. Down and oh, he's killed, and he'll kill again. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I still do. Yeah, if people still want. Oh, sorry, or... sorry. Man, see, just missed a penalty. Sorry. Oh, did they miss it? I saw it. I just seen it given. Harlem's yeah. been taking off. up a half time as well. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. So, people, we will advertise it here, and uh, we'll put you in touch and show pictures and share all the stuff that he's done and try and make the old bugger some money before he retires. He needs a new he, hip. Anybody who's got one, even, even custom printing, like what I've done with my jacket there. I can do that for people. I don't mind. Do you want to show expensive. people what you've done with that jacket? I would, but I'll have to, Oh God, hang on. Oh, hang on. That's another question. Why are you doing that, Danny? Oh my God. Anyone saw a sausage there? We're very sorry. I think I made the picture too big, too quick. No sausage. Ah. Um, it's just a standard Arsenal jacket. I think most people would have seen this last year. I don't know. It's a standard red jacket. Nothing spectacular. But I thought it was a bit boring. So I jazzed it up. Uh, I you hope Andy Gas aren't watching because that's blatant copyright infringement. You know, you spelled Arsenal wrong, didn't you? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just jazzed it up a little bit and I think it looks quite cool. So. If you don't, then that's a shame because I like it. And I but, don't want uh, anybody yeah. screen grabbing that picture of Chris going back with his ripped thighs, shorts, and then printing it up and then get, asking him to sign it because he won't. I've tried. They're good. They're good thighs, although they are bruised to buggery at the moment. They're, they're good running legs. But yeah, no, in, in all seriousness, if people happen to want anything Arsenal related, I, I couldn't possibly say that I could do such a thing because it would infringe copyright. Let's yeah. move on. Right, question for, um, I think it's Carl next, isn't it? I'm not mm. sure. Avon says, anyone else concerned with Zinchenko's patchy availability? Um, do you know what it is? Uh, players are always going to get injuries. They are. It's just it's nature of the beast. You know, I'm, I'm more probably worried about Thomas Partey than uh, Zinchenko. He's going to get injured. It is what it is. As long as when he comes back from injury, he comes back, you know, fully healed, just like I wanted Smith Rowe to come back fully healed. Um, so at the moment, no, I'm not really worried. If he's still injured in like two weeks, then yes, I definitely will be uh, uh, worried. But sure, Arteta is saying that he's back in. He's back in training, I want to say, because yeah. oh, but the thing is, Arteta he plays his cards very close to his chest. He don't know whether he's talking the truth or not. But hopefully, within the next two weeks, I expect him to be back for the Chelsea game. Put it that way, um, or at least in and around the squad. So I'm not overly worried. This side of the World Cup, I think the business end is after the World Cup, and that's when we are going to need everyone 
uh, completely because if we are going to go like deep into competitions like the Europa, um, like the League Cup, like the FA Cup, we are going to need a, a squad and a squad, a fit squad of people. Just looking at his history of injuries with Arsenal, calf injury, he's 39 days out. He had a knee injury. He was out for eight days. And then in recent years at Man City, coronavirus, 30 days, unknown injury, 27 days, fitness, eight days, knock, 16 days, quarantine, 12 days, another knock, 22 days. So the longest he's been out injured ever is 57 days of knee surgery, in October 2019 with Man City, where he missed 13 games, he's missed nine games um, through in, uh, 11 games this season for Arsenal. So he has got a bit of a history of uh, being a bit wonky. It's, it's a concern, but it's not like panic, is it? I guess I'm, I'm like Carl. I, I think the biggest thing is with Zinchenko is I would probably argue we're a better team with him in the team, if that makes sense. So mm. it, it's more a case of I'd just like to see him back because I think he makes us a better team. But yeah, thank you, Central Goat. <laughs> thank you, sir. Um, right, get rid of that question. Um, Sky has a question for you, Skiggy Spray. Uh, we are top of the league, but our main goal this season is still to get the Champions League or, and of course, in front of Spurs. I've got a little graphic <laughs> to bring up for you, Chris. I don't know if you knew this. Plenty of time, plenty of time. There, people at home and on the bus and having a poo. Arsenal are top of the Premier League. Arsenal are top of the Women's Super League. Arsenal are top of the Under-21 League. Arsenal are top of the Europa League. And also, someone told me after, Arsenal ladies are top of their European group too. So five groups, mm. top of all five. That's, uh, that's never happened before. And hopefully, they'll all stay there for the rest of time. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I just think it's a testament to the work that's being done at all levels of the club. Um, I did notice the under-21s, actually, because uh, I do sort of follow the Instagram accounts. I do keep an eye on their results. Jack's doing some good work with the the youths as well, isn't he? Because the, there's the under-21s and then there's the, what is it called? The um, under-18s, isn't it? Under-18s or the, yeah. The, 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 and Elneny uh, and Suarez have both been coaching the under-15s. There you go, yeah. What's, that, what's the word for it? The not Development squad. League. Development squad, that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's that it's always good to see players coming through there. There was a really good interview with Kiddo. No, is it Kiddo Taylor Hart? I think it was. On the the podcast that Eddie and Katia did last year, um, that he was on. Um oh bollocks, you'd know it if I told you. I'll look it up. Um, very good interview with him, and he was talking about how he was very close to being lent to Plymouth, the poor bastard. Um although all right this season. Yeah, no, just equalised as well. No, I, I think, although the way he suggested it was that we were actually suggesting he went out permanently, I think. It, the way he discussed it on this interview was almost like we were sort of willing to let him go. Um, the Beautiful Game podcast, it's called. Um, and it's, yeah, it's an interview with Kiddo Taylor Hart on the 26th of September. Um, it's really good. Really, it's worth, worth downloading if you haven't heard it before. They did a good interview with um, the lad who's on loan, uh, Norton Cuffey, is it? Who's on loan at Rotherham. Did one with him as well. And currently, the most recent one they did was with Tyrese Campbell, who is Kevin Campbell's son, if I'm not mistaken. Stoke. Um, yep, indeed. Chose, so that, yes, good, chose good to podcast. leave Man City I mean, at the end of his yeah. contract to go and play for Stoke to get first-team football. Yes. And got a horrendous injury last season. Was out for three-quarters of a season. But he's playing there with... Uh, Paul Ince's son, Tom Ince, and Ian Wright's no, grandson, 
something Comments is at Reading under his mat under his dad. How's oh, he gone? Yeah, he went to Reading to join Dad Paul. Oh, yeah. That's good. Uh, it was it, it was amazing for Blackpool and Liverpool for a little bit. And mm. then his career kind of went a bit wonky, but he's he's I doing liked, really well at Reading, I believe. Last I liked Paul in this. Yeah, the governor. Oh, a lot of people don't. The self-proclaimed governor. Anyway, <laughs> let's get on with it. Uh, Demsec has a question for Carl. Will the club look to sell Kieran Tierney in the summer? I. The thing is, yeah, Josh has been beating this drum for such a long time. And every time he says it, I'm like, shut up, Josh, you fucking idiot. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm starting to. I'm now starting to believe Josh. I don't say that. I've got a feeling that Kieran Tierney will leave Arsenal uh, probably at the end of the season. Um, as If Sinchenko can stay fit, and it, but I still think it all depends on what happens with uh, Tavares. Um, mm. That is he's a gone, very by the important way. thing. You don't think he's coming back? He, no, I mean, I, mean, I mean, he will be gone. He won't come back. Oh, okay. Marseille so are already Gwenduzying the idea of keeping him. And I think that we'll probably agree that in January. So I don't think he'll be coming back. The key thing is to that well, deal, there was no um, sell-on no sell clause, was there? There was no, um, no. agreed price. So that's a, the I guess that's a talk is 12 million. But again, you haven't heard that from me. Well, we need more than that for him. Sorry, definitely yeah. need more than that for him. But anyway, um, I think it does depend on what happens with him. I think if we can get another left back in, because I don't want to be that team that's only one with one left back. But I feel like Kieran Tierney's time at Arsenal is slowly coming to an end. And you can tell when Arthur doesn't like a player because he phases them out very slowly. Like He just mm. doesn't play them as often. And like you said, the, um, him not playing against Southampton, I think it was a mistake. You know, it definitely um, was a mistake with uh, playing... Um, uh, sorry, playing uh, Tommy Assi, that's the one. Um, <laughs> and I feel like there's games that Kian Tierney could play in but doesn't. And I don't know why. I think it's now he's only playing because the injury to Zinchenko. And I feel like when Zinchenko is back, you will see Tierney back on the bench or only mm-hmm. playing Europa League games. So, yeah, I've got a feeling that he may, he may leaving at the end of the season but you know really all not. sense of premises I like him Tony mm. I think he's had a, he- a hellless time with her in- injuries like really bad time with injuries um, and if he can stay fit he's a good player but like again Josh alluded to Kieran Tony can only give you I think maximum 30 games a season mm. just seems like a really likeable bloke as well doesn't he like just comes across as a really humble hard-working genuine bloke doesn't he like it just yeah i really i want yeah. i want him i want it to work out for him because i feel like he could be like people remember kenny sampson you know in the years he service he gave us like i feel like he could be one of those type of players but but yeah he just i don't know it's like you said i, I worry that he's not an arteta player <laughs> that's the bit i worry about the most it's not it's not about whether he's arsenal quality he clearly is because i think man city were having a sniff weren't they in the summer so I don't think it's a question of his quality. It's just I just don't know whether Arteta fancies him or not. He's not um, an Arteta man, was he? He was uh, an no. Emery signing. And it's a bit Bellerin-y, isn't it? You know, everything on paper, you'd think, oh, yeah, Arteta would love him, but something isn't quite, I don't know. I, I hope I'm wrong because I'd like I to see him. I hope you're wrong. I love him. Yeah. He's brilliant. 
And I'd rather have Sinchenko midfield. <laughs> and plus we couldn't cope with um with Jock having a breakdown in our WhatsApp group. <laughs> we need we need a few Scottish in, in the in the squad, don't we? So yeah. Yeah. I, I hope we're wrong, but and I don't want Josh to be right. Nobody wants that. Look at him smug bastard there with his <laughs> wanky cup. Bloody hipster. <laughs> Same hipster John's bought himself a car, hasn't he? A Fiat 500. He has. Oh, oh, and speaking of which, I know this is a bit intercepting, but Sky just put in the chat there about uh, Charlie Patino. Did you see oh, the um, Did you see the tweet the Blackpool fans put out? The Blackpool no. supporters club. They were like, um, it's basically like an open letter to Arsenal. It's like, dear Arsenal, um, we here at Blackpool FC don't believe that Charlie Patino is quite ready for the level of Arsenal Football Club for the time being. Therefore, we strongly suggest that he remains at Blackpool for at least three, maybe four years, and then we'll return him to you safe and sound. Yours sincerely, many thanks, Blackpool FC, <laughs> which I thought was quite funny because um, they really like him down there. He's got his own song and I think he scored at the weekend. And um, yeah, he, he's in the Fabio Vieira school of needs to bulk up a bit. He, he looks he looks like he's had a few too many iron brews and a couple of, you know, he needs a couple of Mars bars, but uh, he's he's clearly got a lot of talent and He's the perfect idea of where a loan works because he's uh, he's having a lovely time at Blackpool. So hope, I hope that continues. Um, but yeah, there'll, there'll be room for him if, if he carries on his progression. So good luck to him. OK, right. Last question is going to go to Carl. What DM would you like to sign this January? Jeez. Um, before he signed his contract, I would have said Douglas Luis. Mm. I think uh, that was a player that should have been at um, Arsenal. Um, I don't quite know why he signed uh, the contract of Aston Villa. Like, I really don't. Unless they offered him, I've got protecting a feeling they offered him stupid amounts of money. Yeah. Yeah, protect, to make sure they get a decent transfer and he doesn't leave. Yeah, so he'll get I've got, six no, but I thought he wanted, I thought he, he would have wanted to leave. But yeah, I'm sure there must be a clause in there somewhere um, because he could have gone to Arsenal. He basically could have come to Arsenal in January. But they must have given him some astronomical wages. I'd be interested to see know what he's on um, at Aston Villa. Um, what DM would I like to sign? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know names um, at the moment. I think anyone playing well at the moment is false because everyone is trying to play well to get into their World Cup um, squad. Um, people, as you know, like before the World Cup, people play out of their skin get into the World Cup and then their form will suddenly drop off. Um, so, I don't know. I know that we definitely need a midfielder. We have to sign a midfielder because I am really worried about Thomas Partey's um, fitness record. Uh, you just know that we are one Thomas Partey injury away from losing three games in the bounce, sadly. Um, I would like a... I don't know. I just want a player that can come in, no frills, cleans up, like um, Idrissi Gay um, before he went to Everton. Um, I've, got, I've got the perfect man for you if, if you want one. Who is that? Well, this this Frankie is going to surprise you, eh? Frankie Cock? No, this is going to surprise you, but um, he uh, he plays in France. I know that will mm. surprise a lot of people. Uh, Yusuf Fafana at Monaco. 23 French international, French under 21 international, um, kind of N'Golo Kante light, if you will. Gets about the pitch, mobile, loves to tackle, has a decent passing range on him. 
has been brilliant this season in the partnership with the oh what's his name oh uh, I get confused between the two there's Fafana and Kamara Fafana and Kamara that's it yeah Fafana and Kamara um, right. yeah they signed they signed Kamara from um, uh, what's the RB not uh, Salzburg I think it was one of the one of the Red Bull clubs I think it was Salzburg yeah Salzburg um, those two midfield have been brilliant for Monaco but yeah he's uh, He's he's a quality quality little player, um, but does he so come he in knowing that he's not going to be number one because he's always going to be behind Thomas Partey, or um, do you think Thomas Partey? Is- yeah. Oh, you've gone you've gone quiet there, Carl. This what's happened to Carl? He's gone. He's gone his quiet. audio has gone wonky. He's not he's muted. Oh, he's back. He's back. Oh, there you go. Possibly we, we lost, we, um, going soon because of his injury record. Mm, mm. Okay, um, yeah, but Fafana would be, yeah, I think he would be an excellent little pickup personally. We'll see how his career goes, but um, yeah, we'll see how we get on. Oh, look, we've got a Millwall fan. Do Millwall have fans? Have they still got? <sighs> oh, yeah, last time, uh, they, when were they last relevant? Was it? Was it the eighties? Oh, I, I think remember. it was when um, when uh, were they ever relevant? Was Teddy Sheringham was there. <laughs> Who? No, Teddy Sheringham. That's it. Sounds shite. And the, the promising manager called George Graham. As mm. soon as he got out there, managed to do stuff. So yeah, shit still he, he got his two minutes of fame. Bless him. Um, anyway, yeah. So I think that will. That is that all the questions. We've had some more pop up, but we have got to go like. Uh, um, Dempsey says, will we see Nzonzi back in the Premier League? Oh, and Rosa says, will we yeah. see Frankie Cock at um, Villa? Oh, I'd love that. I'd, lo- I'd love to see some Cock in Villa. Um, that would be uh, that would be lovely. And Avon but... says, do we extend party? He's got two years left in the summer. That, that's, do you know what? That that's a question for when the World Cup's on and we're struggling for content because that's that's what we can definitely <laughs> that's one we can definitely discuss the pros and cons of. Because don't forget, people, we are um, there is a little rumor, just a little rumor, um, that we might do some World Cup specials uh, during the World Cup that are nothing to do with Arsenal. But you've heard it here first, so um, maybe on this platform, but not as ABW. Who knows? Who knows? We'll just tease that there. Just let that dangle. Um, anyway, I think that will do us then, Danny, will it? Anything else you want to plug? Or uh, we've no. got a preview show on Thursday, for Thursday? Um, we're going to do it Wednesday, I think, rather than Thursday, because then we're putting out a, a show every um, almost every day, which is which is, which is is nice. So uh, there cool. you go. Just, just doing a little bit of housework there. Um, <clears throat> yes, so... Uh, um, I don't know who I'm going to get on for it. Thursday we'll be doing the show straight after the after the game, and uh, other than that, I don't think we really got much else planned. I think we're playing on Forest on Saturday. But it's a bloody stupid it's a two, two o'clock, o'clock kickoff. Yeah, oh my god, they're trying Sunday. to kill me! So yeah. the preview show for that will be on Saturday. Why can't we have a, a five thirty kickoff on a Sunday so I can I don't have to watch it in bed and I can take notes. I think that Man United Everton was a one-off because of policing or something that late night kickoff. So yeah, one-off situation with them. Um, well, we'll 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 be back to do those shows anyway. Danny will will string together some somebody who's got nothing better to do with their time and talk to us. But uh, we will be back with the podcast next week. 
Uh, probably, he says tentatively, Monday or Tuesday again. Um, we'll see what happens because obviously it's like shooting fish in a barrel with availability. We've got to find out who's free. But I think I think we're trying. We're going to try and get Femi on next week, aren't we? And if we're really desperate, we'll just drag Josh on. Um, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, but yes, we will be back next week. Um, as I said before, if you did do enjoy the show, uh, please do give us a, a like and subscribe and and the bell notifications and all that good stuff. We appreciate it. Uh, we are on Twitter, which you probably know by now, to be fair, but you can give us a little follow on there. Um, you can also tweet questions. I know we take them live on the live stream because it's generally how it works. But if you've got a specific question that you want to know or ask us or whatnot, or if you want to <laughs> if you want to DM me and not get a response for six months, um, please feel free. <laughs> but uh, no, if you, if you have got a, a question, just pop us a tweet and we will try and get it saved for the podcast and a big thanks once again to sam for Cheers, the very sam. kind donation thank you sam and um, that will be wasted on danny's non-existent diet it won't really right that is the end of the show uh, as always uh, look forward to the psv game on thursday let's hope for a good result there uh, let's also hope for a positive and hopefully a bit more straightforward game against forest on sunday though no chickens will be counted here Thank you to everyone who's joined us for the live stream this evening. Much appreciated. Carl, thank you very much for your time this evening, sir. Much appreciated to you. No worries. Even though I'm not going to forget it, I was abused by Danny. Um, it'll be all in my tittle book um, at the end of the season um, where I reveal all the secrets of ABW, uh, the behind the scenes. Um, I should have told you that because it would be like, you know, like the masked footballer who you don't know who it is. <laughs> but a, a book's been released and all the secrets of ABW. A secret podcaster by Carl. Yeah. <laughs> a, a secret London underground work. <laughs> Leaking all oh, the stories dear. to the press. It's all gone so wrong. Yeah, hasn't it just? Uh, Danny, you technically have to be here. So yeah. thanks anyway. Yeah, thank you very much for hosting yet again. It's... Uh... It's a, a, quite a few in a row now, apart from when you, mm. none of you look to be bothered. So, oh, yeah, you know what? You... you give with one hand and take with the other. Just <laughs> say thank you for everyone and just go, yep. people, you should hear Danny in the WhatsApp group throw his toys out of his pram. Sometimes I read it, what sees throw his toys out of pram, just put my phone down and I think, yeah, just, just roll your eyes and go, yeah. oh, literally, Danny's... that's what I do. I see him throw his toys out of pram. You look, oh, shit, you can't get on a podcast. All right, Danny, cool. Yeah, and then the listeners need us. I'm thinking about them. If they don't have us, they get worried. They have nothing to do. And I'm thinking for them, not for myself. We always so, manage to get a podcast out. Unless we I'm ill. Manage, we always manage to get people. And, and you know. It's all about you. And, I, and you know me. You can't rely on me at weekends because I'm watching things uh, across the channel. Um, but you can always rely on me to host the podcast. I gave you a promise at the start of the season. I haven't broken it yet. Although I do have to have my COVID jab soon. So if that knocks me out, then... One of you might have to take over for a week, but other oh, than Carl that, and I'll Chase, be Carl and Josh are down for that when they're there they're on go. backup. They're I'll eager. even try and been... <laughs> I'll try and time it for when we've got like a shit week or or when we conveniently lose a game, so I don't have to deal with the fallout. That'll be probably when I'm missing. Anyway, enough of this. Right um, for the two hours, if you have joined us, thank you. Uh, that's two hours of your life. You will not get back. No refunds, uh, even if you've got the receipt. Tough. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate you. We love you very much. Uh, keep it Arsenal and let's hope for good things by the end of the week. Good night. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid.
Get down, dog. Splendid business. He nearly caught the bloody thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I've just eaten a full quiche. Well, you don't often see them at it. So when you see them in the supermarket, they need to be swagged, microwaved immediately and get the brown sauce on them and bosh, Bob's your uncle. Never in doubt. <laughs>